Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. What is up, y'all? It is Wednesday, July 22nd. We are back again. No guests. It's just me and Tyler. And I am cringing as I begin because once again, I'm without my beautiful podcast mic, which is back at home. But just a few more days of this and I will head back home to Texas this weekend and have some glorious audio. How are you doing, Tyler? Doing great, man. You'll have beautiful audio and scorching heat and humidity though. So <laughs> trade-offs galore, that doesn't sound like a good one to me. I'll take it, man. I'm currently sitting next to a blazing fireplace because it's 68 degrees outside. Get out of here. I don't even know what I the like temp the is outside. I don't like to look like at it. Heat. I do not like the heat. I, I <laughs> deal with the heat. That's I tolerate it. And and it's not bad. Oh, oh, brutal. I was just looking it up to see what the tempo is outside. My phone still says the temperature for Eagle Nest and it's 63 degrees and I'm a sad panda. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, it Google. It feels like, what, 110 there? <laughs> I'm about yeah. to find out. I'm sure it will be. It's only 88. Not bad. It is very cloudy. So uh, that usually helps quite a bit. Yeah. All right. So, not, well, too uh, not too bad. We've got about, let's see, 22 minutes for a show before our next call. Uh, so let's fire through this, man. Uh, yeah, jam packed. We got tons of news. Yeah, I know you are not a uh, a sports fan, but if uh, we have any listeners that are Major League Baseball aficionados, uh, found two quick things here. So Sony has two uh, relatively big parts in the upcoming Major League Baseball season. Number one, the less exciting one or the less um, interesting one, maybe, is the fact that they're doing big camera updates to all of the uh, all the stadiums. So this will That's help cool. with, uh, yeah, yeah, a big jump in replay and review capabilities. Each stadium will have 12 4K cameras. Uh, apparently, Sony has a, a thing called the Hawkeye tracking system, uh, but they'll have some just kind of stationary focused on the field from different angles, and they'll have some that are focused on specific players um, during specific types of plays and all that kind of stuff. But they're claiming uh, that they'll be, you know, they'll be able to see everything that's happening on the field, no blind spots. So that's very cool. The second thing. That is cool. Yeah, this is the goofy one, though. So Sony is offering artificial <laughs> crowd noise that will be picked up by the broadcast. So the players on the that's field will hear. Brilliant. Yeah, they will hear crowd noise that's being played by an audio technician. Uh, <laughs> the league the league is giving each of the club, each stadium oh, will have no. a They'll have a soundboard, right? That, and they have to respond based on what's happening. That's... Dude, I'm so... Awful. I, yeah. I, I would totally get fired for just screwing with that. I, I like I'm sorry. I would I would take that soundboard and all the players would just be looking up at the booth and thinking, who is this guy? That is not a booth scenario. Why are people clapping? Are they chanting right now? Like fire him. That's what I was wondering. Like, what if what if they accidentally touched the wrong key on the soundboard and they hit boo during like a home team home run or something? Home, yes. Oh, love it. That would be me. I would. I they would be doubled over laughing or picking up pitchforks, one or the other. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay, so Sony have. Sony obviously got the cameras and now they got the artificial sound. That's great. Who is building the artificial players? Is that Boston <laughs> Dynamics? I mean, why do we even use humans for baseball anymore? Like, it was more fun when they were all doping and never, nobody just acknowledged that it wasn't happening and every every hit was a home run or a shutout, you know. Like, let's just go robotic. 
People aren't showing up anyways. Sometimes they could blow up. That's cool. Missiles? <laughs> yep. In. Like, I've, like I, this is perfect timing. <laughs> Boo. Right, and it's just because the pitcher exploded or something, you know? <laughs> I'm in. All right. <laughs> uh, last thing on this, there, <laughs> you're ridiculous. They're going to uh, continue to provide traditional organists and the batter walk-up music in games too. So, from the screen at home, it should feel a lot the same, except for you're going to hear cheers with nobody in the stands, and that'll be weird. They also, man, uh, that's going to feel like the laugh tracks on on TV yeah. shows as they got Dude. less and less funny. That's what I was thinking too. And they posted the sounds that they're going to use for the crowd noise. And if you've ever played any of the, the MLB games from like the early to mid nineties, that's what it sounds like. Is it's it just kind of this, like this? Wait, buzz. who it's made like, those games? Was, was the, weren't those like all EA or did Sony yeah. have a couple of those? Is this like yeah. literally yeah. Sony's audio tracks for video games? Yes. 32 like bit audio from, <laughs> from 30 years ago. Cause what that's actually like? pretty funny. Like Tecmo Bowl type of like. Oh no! The way they should have gone full retro and pulled off like, uh, like, oh, like the crowds in '80s arcade games, right? Where it's yeah. just like, <laughs> and that counts <laughs> as crowd roar. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> like a dying right, right. cat. That's terrible. <laughs> let's move on. We're running out of time here. All right, so let's get to some eight news. Uh, I mean, all right. So don't look at the don't look at the show notes. I hope you haven't seen no, this movie. No. But take a guess. How many spacewalks oh, would you say the U.S. the U.S. alone has completed space spacewalks? Uh, that's like any time somebody gets out of a vehicle in space, right? Uh, yeah, like step outside the ISS to do some maintenance or get out oh, of a shuttle geez. for something to capture a satellite. How many years has the ISS even been up there? I, I'm going to go with like, oh, this is going to be way under, but like 100. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. Probably like 80 to 100 is what I would have thought. Yeah. They completed the 300th one yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like, all right, you take all of the spacecraft that we've sent up, uh, the, how long the ISS has been been up there. I'm actually surprised that it's 300 for the United States, though. Um, yeah. But really, like, I don't. I'm sad. I don't know the answer to this question off the top of my head. But the ISS has been floating around for how many years now? You got to imagine there there are a lot of activities, uh, scientific and otherwise, that are require a spacewalk. So maybe it's not that crazy. 21 years, 21 years, wow. six days. Yeah. yeah. See, if I knew that answer before I threw out a guess, I would have totally revised that, but I'd be curious to see like 300 spacewalks. How many of those happened outside of the ISS? And then how many, how many man years, um, us man years are on the ISS? Cause it'd be kind of neat to see spacewalks per us man year on the ISS. And you kind of get a feel for how often those astronauts get to suit up and, and go when it's not always, I mean, yeah, it would be good to see percentage breakdown of how many of them were ISS related, but it's not always ISS either. Oh no, no, I know. I'm curious because I would expect that to be a lot of it though. I don't, uh, the shuttles, the shuttles can't, well, I, I say they can't, I don't know. Um, I would expect the shuttles to have much less spacewalk activity, but maybe I'm totally wrong there. For sure. Last thing on this topic real quick. Um, and maybe it's a little bit morbid, but um, I was actually surprised too. I can't recall any uh, negative incidences from spacewalks, right? Yeah. It, se- it seems like it would be a pretty high-risk scenario. Yeah. 
being outside and having space debris flying by and all that kind of stuff. But well, space is mostly empty, so I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't worry yeah. too much about the debris. But except for that marble-sized piece of metal that's flying, you know, twenty thousand miles an hour in the opposite direction from you. Well, of course, if you find the one, but that's statistically <laughs> so unlikely. Who cares? I'd be more worried about the fact that that space suit better be freaking glorious at keeping out radiation because there's nothing yeah. else doing it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid point. Okay. I, I, can, I can only imagine what, and I know I know that they actually do document some of this stuff, but I would be curious to know in a, in a spacewalk in the suits that they're using today versus like five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago versus the future, like what the equivalent x-ray exposure is every time you're outside of the space station. Yeah, because yeah, it's probably phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, you can see that on Wikipedia too. Like the radiation exposure just from taking a flight, like a passenger. Oh flight. yeah, well, isn't isn't a, an international passenger flight? Isn't that isn't it roughly equivalent to an unprotected uh, X-ray? And that was actually yeah. what was going through my head when I was asking that. But I, I, I know those suits are designed. Yeah, it might Go, be well, chest X-ray or something like something that. like that. Yeah, I, I know the suits are designed to prevent some of that. But at, at the end of the day, when it comes to higher energy particles, there's only a few things that help you, and that's distance of material between you and the thing that's that's shooting it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and or very specialized materials. But even that, it's just not that easy, right? That's why it's difficult to deal with uh, radiation leaks and stuff like that. You can't put someone in a twenty foot thick concrete suit, but that's arguably what you'd want when you get close to like a, a core leak in a reactor, as an example. So th there's not that much you can do to stop high energy particles. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, SpaceX scored their first double fairing catch yesterday. That's cool. Yeah. It made me think of uh, the likes of like Dude Perfect and whatnot. Right? How like many fairings did they lose? Ever. <laughs> oh, I don't, know. So, I don't know. So does that mean that like most of the time they get one and they're like, woo, 50% ain't bad. Well, yeah. So well, that's, that's the thing. I, I don't know how many times they've they've uh, attempted this, but the last time sure. they did, they caught one and the other one landed in the water. Ah, bummer. The, the challenge there is when they go to fish it out, now they have to deal with um, potential you know, corrosion and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure all kinds of crap. And, and yeah. I'm also sure that, that that slows down the relaunch, which was another bit of news that I had actually from the other day, which is that SpaceX uh, set a turnaround record flying the same rocket in just 51 days. And of course, that that's a big part of what makes SpaceX more cost-effective going forward is not just reuse of rockets, but rapid reuse of rockets. And anything on the catching side is like a total failure in rapid turnaround because of all the stuff you were just talking about. There's There's probably a gross litany of additional checks that have to go in to make sure that that's safe for flight. And uh, obviously catching still, I'm sure, has a, a pretty incredible laundry list, but not nearly as bad as, oops, we dropped it. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that point you just brought up, the, the 51 days ago, that mission was the Crew Dragon one, right? For that first stage rocket? I do not know. That's okay. possible. It, was the May, it would have been May 30th, I guess. And I think that's the, that's what that one was. Uh, you know, actually, it was because that was the day I was running oh, 40 nice. miles. Hey, and they they, uh, they launched it at like 2 p.m. that day, so that, that is what it was. Cool. That's pretty that cool, cool, man. That is cool. And and apparently, this this I thought was neat because it's always fun to see kind of where they are versus where they're going. 51 days is the was the record they set on Monday, I think. And uh, unless I missed that, I guess they were seeking to set it. I I wonder if that actually launched. I got to go read that again. Yeah, but, that um, was the record. This is short. Yeah, I thought so. Around. 
Um, their goal is to make that days, not weeks. And of course, 51 days is closer to a couple of months. So uh, you can imagine if uh, if it's more cost effective than it's ever been based on what they're doing now, cutting that, you know, almost by a, a factor of 10 is incredible. Yeah. Days, man, that's insane. I know. Catch this rocket, do a check. I mean, it, it gets into, you're thinking like Formula One pit stop. Ah, check it over put some new tires on it fill it up with fuel they're gonna they're gonna have to drop refueling rockets too oh my goodness (laughs) okay uh so i thought this was kind of funny as i was looking up all the data i tweeted out i said all right how's this for a word problem for you a falcon 9 rocket departs cape canaveral at 5 30 p.m eastern at 68 miles in altitude it releases the nose cone when do the drone ships have to leave the station to be 480 miles off the coast of florida to safely pick up their parachuting passengers it's like the old train problem, but it made me wonder how long those uh, drone ships are out there ahead of time and how they coordinate all that. When do they launch them? Where do they launch them from? You kind of imagine if they're out there longer than they need to be, that there's actually a significant amount of cost associated with that too. So my guess is that they are pushing at least a, a minimal safety factor for timing. Um, and with the other piece too is uh, if I'm not mistaken re-entry windows are a thing as well because it's easy to accidentally skip off the you know atmosphere of the earth so sure. they should be able to dial that in pretty tight yeah i imagine they would given all that um, right. that was another fun fact the the time it took from the falcon 9 rocket to launch and for them to catch the nose cone was only roughly about 40 minutes cool <laughs> it's insane gosh i mean what what incredible accuracy i saw what you tweeted out but it's always fun to think about the scope and scale of the world's oceans right i mean obviously we we have a pretty good feel for where something's going to fall out of the sky if we're doing this stuff right but getting a boat there and catching it in you know what is imperceptibly small compared to the scope and scale of the world's oceans um, anyways, your tweet oh, when you were decided you were missing flying internationally and you showed looking at the interface and just the world is an ocean on your way to Australia, it makes me think of that. And they're they're positioning what is effectively a pinprick and catching something hurling from space or yeah, it's space. insane, absolutely <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so cool. okay, we got about nine minutes left. Uh, let's move on. You had put something in about the Ford debuting a, a new fourteen hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw you tweet about this yesterday too. Um, and that video was awesome, by the way. I had run into that before, but Ford debuted a 1400 horsepower uh, electric. They call it a Mustang Mach E. I agree with you. That doesn't really look like a Mustang. So it seems kind of cheap there. But what? It's seven electric motors. The thing is a torque machine. And um, it's uh, it looked pretty wild. Uh, it, some of the, the recharge rates was a 80% of its batteries can be charged in 30 minutes. So obviously taking advantage of some of the supercharging and, and battery density stuff, which I find absolutely fascinating, but, uh, what a monstrosity of a, an electric vehicle. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely insane. Uh, the sound of it and the look of it performance wise just reminded me of, uh, one of the high performance RC cars I built when I was a little kid. Oh, cool. It's just, it's unreal. <laughs> I, the seven motors was interesting and uh i don't think the article got into it enough it talked about four in the rear three in the front um and, it, yeah. and it, of course there's lots of dynamic distribution of that power but three in the front like what's i don't get it i, I i'm i'm really curious and i want to see like a deep dive on that technology yeah. when they sort of well, open up that can of worms it makes sense to me um i i've, I've done a lot of uh car stuff and usually 
like when you look at the new uh, Corvette C8, right? They moved the engine from the front to it's now a mid-engine. It sits mm. kind of right behind the the driver's head. They call it a mid-engine because it's uh, not behind the rear uh, axle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I imagine they did this, the four motors in the back, to get close to that 60-40 ideal split, right? You want rear okay. weight. It gives you better handling control, better stopping power. That makes sense. With just weight distribution. Uh, so it's less about less about the wheels and more about just distributing power where it needs to be. That that actually makes a lot of sense because uh, it doesn't. I mean, it matters obviously, but where your locus of power is, you can obviously fix that with gearing and drive shafts and stuff like that. You want to minimize it because that's not weight that's helping you. But that that does make a little bit more sense if it's a it's a good thing. I'd still love to see like a total deep dive on placement you know what they did because i'm sure that there is a litany of really cool technology decisions and engineering decisions that were made to to get something like that to uh yeah. sort of optimize That'd be awesome to know. yeah it would yeah, ford, ford come talk to us and i'll start yes absolutely <laughs> and, I'll, and i'll test drive it for you because yeah. i like doing that more than working it. on them <laughs> and I'll actually call it a Mustang instead of a Ford Escape. <laughs> ah, All right. Brutal. Uh, what else um, we got for the last like five minutes here? Man, I, I, I'll throw you one like super tech news bit, which is that I saw that the DDR5 SD RAM spec was set. And uh, uh, obviously lots of increases, uh, roughly double the data rates, um, slightly lower voltage requirements. But uh, <laughs> what blew my mind is that the theoretical maximum because of die stacking is four terabytes per dim. And it's like, <laughs> that's, that's, that is absolutely insane. Yes. Uh, that, that isn't, that is a crazy amount of uh, DDR density, which, which is just nuts. And I'm, I'm curious like to see been saying this for like 10 years though. Uh, we always will. Of, we always will. Like, but then when the Ram pushes the bottleneck to CPU and then the yeah. network and it gets pushed around, we're just like, that's insane. But, but what's uh, like what Intel's modern and AMD as well, they can do what 48 dims in a two yeah. socket system now. So 48 dims, especially if you can basically use this roughly the same spec for persistent memory, which usually has higher density even, right? You're, you're talking about just Absolutely. I mean, that's 384 terabytes in a single, probably two U server. Yeah. No, not even. I mean, you could you right. could do that in a one yeah. U server at that point. 384 terabytes of memory make it persistent, and you don't need. You could do half U servers. You don't right. need storage anymore. Screw it. You don't need external. Yeah. You don't need external storage. Good uh, lord, your your problem would be slowing. Yeah. Doing. Ah, that's yeah. that's just. I mean, uh, it's <laughs> that is insane. That's where all the what Gen Z stuff and disaggregate compute systems entirely, where everything's being done over fabric. You you keep the stuff you need to be right next to the die as close as possible, but the other forty slots of you know multi terabyte DIMMs can be shared across a network, and you just get over fabric speeds, but wild wild densities and and lickety split response times. That's just I, it's crazy. Density yeah. in that stuff is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, the last cool thing that I saw that you'll probably want to know about if you're a gamer, uh, it looks like sometime this summer, the popular car soccer video game Rocket League uh, will be fully free to play. I saw this on Ars Technica this morning uh, on all existing platforms. Nice. Apparently, in order to pull this off, the game's publishers at Epic Games 
uh, we'll have to delist it from Steam. So oh, why? That's uh, I don't know. I, I got to look into the issue. That doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, is this just, just Steam getting pissy because Epic has a a legit marketplace now and is putting pressure on them as like the sole source of online video game repositories? I don't know. Marketplace I repositories. Let, I, I got to imagine it's something like that because, come on, like what? Yeah. Why? You could people do free games on Steam all the time. Yeah, I, I won't. Uh, Strange. I won't our, uh, no speculation. Gaming correspondent can come on the show and talk about it, but I just thought it was cool because I've played it, it a few cool. times. My daughters love it, uh, and we never <laughs> bought it. And I actually thought about buying it recently, and then I just saw the news today that it's actually going to be. Free and to now play. you don't have to. And I remember seeing that and thinking, someday I'll play that game. Maybe I'll yeah. just download it. It's pretty fun. It pretty fun. <laughs> I got one other one that I, I feel like we have to talk about because we'll bring up cryptocurrency once in a while. There was a lot okay. of debate about whether or not what Coinbase ended up doing uh, with the hacked Twitter accounts. Um, I'm sure you saw that. I think we talked about it. But uh, a number of high-profile Twitter accounts were hacked by a group that then basically it was the, you know, Apple was one of the accounts that was hacked and um, uh I think Bill Gates's account was was one of them, and they basically said, "Hey, I'm feeling generous. Send me a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, and I'll send you two thousand back." One mind blown. The number of people that see stuff like that and fall for those things is it's sad. But um, Coinbase apparently blocked a thousand Bitcoin transactions to those addresses, preempting the loss of those Bitcoin to those people through that scam, and um, it it actually created quite a sort of black and white argument because Coinbase basically just showed that they have the capability to identify a malicious account and block someone from moving their money from A to B. Right. And and so a lot of people were like, whoa, dude's not cool. I mean, it is cool. It was that's hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin that that was prevented from being tracked or transmitted. But it's also scary that they have that sort of push button control over whether or not you can send it. So it uh, it created quite the quite the buzz. Yeah, there were a lot of people, surprisingly, like you're saying there, that were frustrated because that <laughs> was kind of fundamentally anti, yeah, uh, you know, digital currency. So yes, yes, very, and and I think I mean Bitcoin in particular will come up a lot in that, right? It is not the most secure Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, that's the wrong way to say that. It, not that it's an insecure cryptocurrency, but it's not the most private, which means it doesn't have the most flexibility when it comes to stuff like that. But it is always interesting to see the way that, that the, the community and anyone using cryptocurrency abroad will sort of uh, catch some of those things and think like, huh, interesting. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for you to jump. Get to that other call, man. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I hope everyone listening thought this was interesting and that you don't hate it. But if you do, tell us about it because we're done <laughs> with right. another Make episode. Better. Make us better. Um, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close, y'all. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, if you got anything we missed, general feedback, you want to come join us on the show, please reach out. Let us know. Hit us up. And thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Peace.